welcome to the second episode of the Deeper Dive. Yes, uh, thank you. And I'm with JL Co- Covain, right? Covain. <laughs> so, second episode of the Deeper Dive, and I'm here with JL Covain, right? Yes, perfect. Oh, Nailed it. First I'm, try. No, and I'm. It's me. It's not you. It's, it's your name deserves to be known. My my pronunciation is what sucks. Um, I really appreciate you being here. It's great to have you here. Yeah, great um, to be here. I look forward to talking with you and hearing about you, really understanding what makes you tick and sort of what makes you who you are and what's made you who you are, right? And just to give a bit of a quick preface, uh, and then we'll, we'll just sort of see where this goes. And that's what's great about it. Um, I saw a Trump video like a number of years ago, and right. I thought it was just terrific, right? And I might have seen it in the Star Ledger thing that said local person. Right. It always just stuck in my mind, right? And then I was thinking, oh, who would be really interesting people to interview for the podcast? And I thought of you. And then I went and checked out your bio. Mm-hmm. And your bio really jumped out to me further, right? I mean, of you know, multiracial background, right? Multi-ethnic, multiracial, and then an amazing education. You know, you went yes. to Williams College, right, which is just a terrific school, yep. and then you go to Georgetown <laughs> Law School, right, which is any law school. You know, George Washington Law School is a great law school, sure. but uh, Georgetown Law School is a really terrific law school, right? So just the education, I was like, wow. And so I, I reached out to you and you're, you were good enough to sort of say you'd like to do it. So it's terrific. And then honestly, recently I've I, I've listened to a bunch of your uh, podcast episodes, and and I'm not much of a podcast listener, so I've listened to more podcast episodes of yours than anybody else has <laughs> ever in the history. I feel me. like Joe Rogan right now. Oh wow, I'm dominating this one person's podcast world. Absolutely, uh, it's great. I'm loving it. And my um, podcast is very, as you probably picked up, it's 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 almost manic, depressive, not clinically, but in terms of the tone. Some episodes I'm just comedically on fire, and then some episodes whatever's got me down and it's just like, I think I need to quit. What, what yeah. the hell am I doing? Well, it's super, it, well, that's what also impressed me as I, as I listened to it. Hey, it's just super funny. And you know, I know, you know, you're super funny and this is a beautiful thing. I mean, humor as I'd like to get into is just this beautiful thing in our world. Right. So how much you were willing to talk about yourself and just put it out there. I was impressed by that. You know, I was impressed by how much content you produce honestly you know get get just getting a real sense of it and yeah my 103 fans are really spoiled <laughs> the the 200,000 people who passively I follow know. me and consume nothing they don't know how much they're missing well, that's crazy <laughs> right it, does that still like blow your mind that like 200,000 people could yeah. like sign up but then it doesn't it doesn't go where you want it to go more so well, it's it's it really is this this last few years has been sort of an emotional roller coaster because just just by way of background my Please. comedy career every few years i'll have something in my career that will pop and i'll think this is it so so early in my career it was uh, a spot on uh the late late show what year was that oh late oh seven right and you started with like uh, in law school in oh yeah. in oh three yeah. with with comedy in law school yeah so that was that was a pretty quick and what then happens is is the first of many sort of weird unfortunate circumstances where it's like i hit this peak and then nothing came of it yeah. which when that cycle starts to repeat itself you become very cynical even of accomplishments because you're waiting for it to fall through again yeah i mean from my perspective just hearing it right i mean it's the it's it's sort of like the hypervigilance is a little traumatic, right? Or a lot traumatic in certain ways. And then it's like, you're you're looking for it to go bad again. It becomes a hypervigilant. I've been traumatized. When's it going to go wrong again? Kind of thing. Right. And you don't know, is it self-fulfilling or is it, is it really just sort of a bad luck or is it the industry in general? Is this the cycle? And I'm not as well equipped to deal with that as I, I need to be. Did you pers- try to pursue 
agents then in the in that I did um I did a few like a year or two later I think after I had recorded an album and had maybe a little more body of work to show them and you're uh, doing this full time at this point or, or no 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 doing? I'm working uh as a prosecutor so but you know there's something beautiful about being in, in shape and in your mid to late 20s yeah. the energy and with comedy being new it's an adrenaline rush so I'm 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 going to work and then doing open mics or bar shows yeah. till 10 o'clock, going home, going to sleep at midnight, up at 5.30 to go to the gym. Yeah. And it's actually like your your energy is like a self-sustaining thing at that point because comedy is still this new, comedy is this, just like a relationship. Yeah. Comedy is this new, exciting thing where it's like, oh, I can't wait to go do it again. Yeah. And, you know, um, my habits were, everything was yeah. like working towards that. And, yet, but then- my 30s become a very difficult day. Yeah, no, even early on in your 20s, doing comedy, open mics, like what what feels so good? Like, is it the, 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 creating new content and 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 loving that? But then and then presenting it and loving that. Is it the loving being up in front of the crowd? Is it a, a little bit of all that and other things? Like, what what was it that you were loving early on? Yeah, it's. I I think part of it was. Um, as I've sort of been able to diagnose it in hindsight, when I was in law school, I was very depressed and I'd always been funny and I had never had any ambition whatsoever to do comedy. I made my friends laugh, but I had, because once you're in, you're in high school, you're making friends laugh. Well, you're playing basketball and you're looking to get in college. Yeah, yeah. Okay. In college, I'm looking to excel at basketball. I got a girlfriend and, and I'm partying and, uh, but now in grad school. So there's always a goal to be achieved that maybe you don't get stuck too long in your own feelings. But law school, that's the end goal. Like in other words, you go to law school, you want to be a lawyer or you're going to be a lawyer. Like, so, so there's no more like, but what, what after law? It's like, and I think that maybe settled in a little bit. I was in a long distance relationship, you know, for the first time kind of struggling a little bit academically. Uh, I think Georgetown Law School, I met my peak, yeah, my well, ceiling. <laughs> uh, listen, uh, <laughs> sure, sure. But right. like, in other words, a few classes getting some A minuses, B pluses, but a lot of classes seeing yourself in like the the bottom percentile of 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 plenty of classes, and it was a lot of work, and it wasn't. Did you want law, like in your mind, or why, why law school? Uh, I think I th and I've said this to people who go to law school sometimes that go to law school because you want to be a lawyer, and you have maybe you don't have to know what type of lawyer, but maybe you have an idea, and maybe that can change. But me, it's more like well, I'm I'm not pre med. I have no interest in business. Yeah. What's an, e and this may be subconscious, but what's an easy way to just sort of be impressive and be legitimate and, and, and give hope to your family and that you're going to be part of a profession law school. I could have been a studio art major, but if I take the LSAT and have decent enough grade, law schools will welcome me in. And I think not that this was what we're talking about, but law schools should probably take more of an approach like medical school. It doesn't have to be that rigorous, but to weed out people, honestly, people like me should be weeded out of the process. I graduated, I did all right, but I, I, you know, other than just sort of a cinematic interest in law, I probably should have been weeded out. Um, so I think I got very depressed in law school, and 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 I remember my my girlfriend at the time, who was who's a doctor in Minnesota now, she was in I was in law school in D.C. She was at Ohio State Medical School. And she was like, I think you're depressed. Yeah. And I was like, what do you mean? Just because I skip my classes in the morning and sit in bed awake till noon? What? That's just fun. And so she didn't think I would see a therapist. She didn't think I was amenable to that. Okay. So she called a priest at Georgetown. Okay, I'm Catholic for the, so I, know. I haven't yeah. said that. But I, um, so a priest just shows up at my door one day, like, you know, Father Merrick. Right. In, uh, in, in, <laughs> he, uh, he came to your door. He came to your door. Yes. Yeah. 
you know, in was the, it in a dorm or is it a private apartment? Private or? apartment. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and I was like, what the? He goes, Kelly asked me to come by. And I was like, I was like, okay, yes, uh, the power of Christ compels me. And so we ended up talking for like having kind of weekly lunches, the, the basically equivalent of half spiritual, half yeah. therapy. Was kind it of. helpful or no? Or Well, here's what I will say. It was just talking about issues with somebody, just talking it out was, I think, pleasant and helpful. And um, it was the same thing. I, I saw a, I, I saw a uh, psychologist when I was a child and I couldn't tell you what we talked about. I just know that after a year and a half to two years of that, I went from being a violent child to a child that made jokes and did impressions. So sublimation 101, yeah. <laughs> I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, well, that's right, but, right spot on. So I couldn't tell you what we talked wow. about. Yeah, sure. I just How know, old were you roughly? roughly? Fourth grade. Okay. They were going to kick me out of my private school if I didn't see a therapist. Because okay, what you were sort of, there was anger, there was violent, or there was just a physicality or what anger, was Anger, it was, it was, you'd, you'd, you'd respond pushing a kid. I wasn't like beating up children, but like you, I responded to issues at recess and gym with shoving and hitting. Um, and that stemmed from being in a relatively violent household. <laughs> yeah. I was a good student. Yeah. I was well-behaved at home yeah. for the most part, but I guess in, in oh, you were well-behaved at home, but not right. Like the, at, the, the not hitting, at school, the right? hitting was yeah, yeah. As I've said uh, to my therapist about my my parents, uh, when you have a father born in 1931 in Haiti and a mom born in 19 a blue-collar mom born in 1944, time out is is not one of the parenting tools and. You know, my my father was more of a an old school disciplinarian where it's like he wouldn't hit you yeah. if he was in a bad mood. But if you talked back or or like just something that he viewed as a violation of parent child code, you would get spanked or occasionally a belt. Um, my mom was a little bit more of a I'm having a bad day. So sometimes anything could bring out. And then that's where I think the, the unpredictability of it is 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 a little more fearful. And it was so that, you know, I do remember distinctly my mom coming out of the principal's office weeping because to her, I think anybody who's a child psychologist will tell you if he's being violent, you know, we assume there's some level of that at home. And she, but, I, but she also, I think the twin things for her, because she lost my family's origin story. This is the, the key moment in my entire family's story to me is my mom's mother died when she was nine. And her older sister died when she was 21. How much older was she than your four mom? Four years. Four years, okay. Yeah, I believe four years. Yeah. And my mom had a younger brother who became sort of her younger brother and also a maternal figure that I saw play out the entirety of my uncle's life. This, and this is the uncle you referenced who passed away a couple, yes. in 2020 or yeah, so? Yeah. yeah. And very close, lived across the hall from me my, my entire life, literally same building across the hall. And part of that was my mom feeling a dual obligation to him. She couldn't, I think, cope with, she would say he lost his mother at four. And I'd be like, mom, you lost your mom at nine. Yes. <laughs> it's not like you had this w world of a lifetime with a mom and then, but but it was easier to sort of, yeah. I'll take on the mantle of, of mothering you because at least one of us can have some of that. And it made her, my mom's like a... She is the, you know, if she were a man, I believe my mom would be like a feared partner at a, a big New York law firm. Yeah. Like, I think she has the, the mental ability, the intensity, the work ethic that she would have been. 
But instead, when she graduated high school at 17, she went to work, didn't go to college because self-sufficiency, I think, was so deeply ingrained because so many important things had been taken away from her. I, I have compared her mothering style to Michael Jordan's basketball playing in terms of she has done, I think she has pushed me and my brother to, and my father gets some credit as well, but but basically a you have two college parents, one black immigrant, one working class white woman. Um, uh, 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 um, Irish background? Or yes, she's uh, Irish. Right. And she basically, my brother is a, you know, was editor of the uh, da- the Medill, uh, the Daily Northwestern. Uh, yeah. He was okay. Northwestern yeah. uh, journalism graduate, yeah. Yeah. very accomplished journalist. Yeah. I, uh, on paper, look very accomplished. <laughs> but that is from two... That 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 is like I think a large result of her feeling that education, you know, is paramount. Yeah. And so my mom coming out, I remember in fourth grade, her coming out of the office being told, probably, I don't know what went on, but probably being told, if he's being violent with kids, we think there might be some violence in the home. So that's that's her facing, you know, a flaw in her parenting, her otherwise very remarkable parenting. But also the idea of if I don't go see a, a child psychologist, I would be kicked out of this nice private school, which to her, I think that was just such a double, like it's education, the threat of losing this education and the threat of like, there's my parenting is not right. Having a look is having a little bit not, of a, not, a bad effect. Yeah. 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 And the reason I made the Michael Jordan comparison is only because he was this maniacally great player that made him the gra- greatest ever. But he's also a compulsive gambler, also mean to some people sometimes. And I go, you, it's very difficult to have that skill set and have no side effects. Yes, beautifully said. And yeah. my mom's parenting was a result, I think, of I am going to be, I am somehow through my parenting going to make up for the loss of being parented by, you know, through no fault. Your your mom died, you know, from an infection during a surgery in the 1950s. Yeah. Um, and... It's terrible and it's very sad. And it is, I think, the defining thing in my entire family. Sure. Well, there's, I think it's, again, keep going. You're saying it beautifully. And there's this whole idea, you know, just to psych speak for a second, you know, intergenerational transmission of trauma is this phrase, right? And and it's so real. And it's it's so real for, I would argue, all of us, you know, traumas with lowercase t's get passed it down. And then the traumas with uppercase t's get super passed down, right. you know? And yeah. And, and you know, I see it with my brother. My brother, uh, his wife is a very, if I, like my girlfriend and my brother's wife, the thing they have in common, yes. calm. Yeah. yeah, They're very different people, but calm. Yeah. I get a sense of, when I come home and my girlfriend is there, I feel calm. That's awesome. And sometimes I feel bad because I, I am not calm. <laughs> yeah, sure. And I, I don't know. want my girlfriend to be an emotional support human. <laughs> it, where it's Have like, the vest on. Right. Exactly. No, no, she can come on this flight for free. <laughs> but, but you get that feeling sometimes like you don't want to be a user. You want I want to give you something, not right. just me always be like, comedy sucks. Thank you for being here or else I'd be. Well, have you ever talked with her about that? I mean, does she, what does she view you give her? I'm sh- I imagine she you, thinks you give her things, no? Let's... She does, I think, but I don't ask. This is a good, good, good okay. thing. I don't ask. Well, that's what I, you're to say. Yes. You probably, you probably, right? You really probably do. And she really appreciates it. And maybe. I say it passive aggressively. I go, <laughs> what do you even get out of this? <laughs> which is not. Right. That's, is, <laughs> you should work on that. Let's work on that. <laughs> you can work um, on that in, in therapy. <laughs> right. And my, and my brother's wife is, um, I don't see obviously their entire life, but she is a very calming presence. Yeah. And, and what I've seen with my, my brother, he has two sons. Yeah. Um, 
I think my brother's not here to be on the episode, but what I see is I've always had the temper. I inherited that from my mom. I I explode. I'm a very big guy. Explode. I mean, verbally. Yeah. Yes. You know. Yeah. Just right. In in, in I don't some hold words it in. and in, in the feeling inside. Right. Yeah. I, I yeah. don't hold it in. Uh, yeah. Um. I'll I'll bang an inanimate an inanimate object. Whereas my brother, I think he's my older brother. He has, as far as I can see, he wants to sort of exhibit the calm of my father. Yeah. The, 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 because, but, but with the work ethic and drive of my mother and that the reason I bring up the Michael Jordan th- example is if you're trying to be as good a mom as she is in the good parts, the self-sacrifice, the, it's very difficult to do that and just remain sure. totally calm because what was driving my mom was not just, I think a sense of, I love my kids. It's, I love my kids. And, and beneath that, I think was a little bit of, and I'm, they're never going to be without a mother. They're never going to experience that pain because I am going to be excellent at this if it kills me yep. or them, <laughs> <laughs> or us in a really brutal uh, domestic. Right. Reservoir. Our family ended like the end of Reservoir Dogs, right. but it was it was very strong parenting, maybe too strong. No, but I, I love I, you, I just love what you're saying. I'm just taking it all in. Like it was just so much of I'm I'm going to make up for or, yeah. or something. Yeah, it's just it's, and I think that's subconscious, sure, obviously, yep, but it's. Yep. You know, that's how you get um, uh, uh, two parents yeah. who, who've never been to college. Yeah. One is a black immigrant who, you know, I remember I remember her, them telling me stories of like going to the Poconos in the 70s, yeah. having a reservation and being told, oh, no, we're actually it's, all yeah, full. That's mind boggling. Um, and shouldn't be, I suppose, because it's so real, but right. it's just f- fucking mind boggling. right? And I, I think with my, my mom internalized those slights more also than my dad, because my dad coming from Haiti, as, as troubled a country as it is. There is a a deep pride yeah. and a and coming with a for you know you're coming from a country where everybody's black. Yeah. There is no sense of oh I'm the inferior sure. caste here. So often when he would encounter racism, he like scoffed at it as sort of like you're an ignorant, trashy person. Sure, not which is uh, pretty accurate. It's and I think it's like, <laughs> right, but I think it's probably a healthy coping mechanism. Um, well, I think because you don't, you know, you, he's internalized. Right. Black right. is good. Yeah. Haitian is good. Right. And Fundamentally, strong. from the day he was right. born, every moment of every, right. you know, every second of every minute of every hour right. of every day, you know, it just really seeps in in the right. soup that of a, of a, of worth, right? right? Not questioning yourself. And I think what I learned in early on, and, and this is where comedy sort of comes in, but early in my life, I remember there was one incident I talked about with my therapist a while ago, but I remember. Sunday nights were always bad. Sun- Sunday nights were bad in that my father would go and talk to his, you know, hang out with his friends, the diaspora. Um, and then my brother, I, I don't actually even remember when my brother was, but he would have been, he's seven years older than me. So if I'm five or six, he might be doing Boy Scouts or with friends, right. whatever the case may be. So a lot of time I remember Sundays being me and my mom alone. And I loved being with my mom. But Sunday nights became this sort of ritual. She's not a drinker. She's not anything like that. But it was a... It was a whether it was the week work week starting. Yeah, the, the next tightness, week, the anticipation, the anxiety. Being building. free of my dad, just in terms of whatever marital issues they may have been having, and then him coming home. I, I I have no idea what it was, but Sunday nights became almost comedic in their tragedy. And and I don't want to for people listening. I just want to be clear. I'm talking spankings and stuff. I'm not talking like you know beat downs and but but it was still. I'm glad you're clarifying. I implicitly had that sense, but I'm yeah. glad you're clarifying. Absolutely. Like like I'm not being thrown into a trash can. Like it's it's it was bad, but it wasn't like I don't want people to have the idea of like child services needing yeah. to be called. Yes. 
Um, but I remember one Sunday, and this is the first time, and I, I think it was either yeah, I was either five or six, so pretty pretty smart uh, coping mechanism yeah. here. But I made a joke at breakfast about, "Uh oh, mom, it's Sunday night," <laughs> and she laughed. And she was a little embarrassed, but she laughed because she got what I was saying. I remember in that moment thinking, I think I cracked the code. I think I've pointed out the issue with humor, and maybe I just solved a little bit of my anxiety on Sundays. But I distinctly remember that Sunday, and I don't remember why, but her losing her temper that night. And oddly enough, that should have taught me that humor is completely <laughs> futile to solve problems. Instead, for some reason, I internalized right. Humor is always the way. <laughs> you got you got ninety percent there. You missed the last important ten percent. Right. No, but right, you were hoping it would unlock the key of everything would be different, and it and it, and it so sadly wasn't. Right? And for some reason, though, that that stuck with me because you know, and I think well, I maybe said it was different for you a little bit. I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm maybe being Pollyannish, but it did something. It wouldn't change her, but maybe I did it do something for you. Maybe not, right? It, right. It may, it may have, maybe even that comfort of feeling like it kind of had a chance right, right. to fix things. Right, the hope. But what I've, and I said this also on a recent episode, yeah. just self-reflection, that comedy for me is like a cousin of friendship. Yeah. But I think for many years, I confused it with friendship. Yeah. So whether it was my college basketball team, I wasn't well liked at first. But then when I started cracking jokes and doing impressions, that became my role on the team. Um Humor made me feel, oh, yeah. Oh, that's I how can, I do it. That's, right, how, that's I how I get in, get friends, and that's how I get people to like me. But then you look and say, but I'm only really close still and communicate with two or three of my teammates right. from that whole right. stretch. Yeah. Um, so did it, it just gave me a role, but it didn't make things uh, form deeper bonds on its own. You, you feel like you you relied on it too much, or it became too, it, was, it, it, was, it was only you, the one thing more than one thing in your tool chest and not more things or something or i think so probably because i'm really um, struck by that metaphor of like i thought it was my really good friend but maybe it was a cousin of a good friend or something like well, that. it's like it's a just, like in other words it's it shares a lot in common with friendship yeah. but it's not friendship it's yeah. still more entertaining and getting people to enjoy you but maybe not care about your bond with right. um okay. you know i think that's some of the reason why my favorite and i say this with all love and respect yeah. to my girlfriend but but my the favorite my favorite high in any relationship is you know dates three through seven yeah. like because that's everything's new and things are moving forward and it's and it's, you don't and and it's like i think that's what humor is it's kind of like the dates three through seven of a friendship but it's not the long lasting it's 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 one component but it's not the building block and it's easy to you know confuse the the joy and the enjoyment people get from your jokes with like yeah. liking you on a deeper level or caring about you on a deeper level. It's interesting. Like what is everybody's relationship with humor or comedy, right? Like, and, and as you're talking, I'm just, what I hear a little bit is, it, it, it's, a def it's a defense mechanism or it's, it's, it's a thing you use, but, but it didn't, it didn't create enough real intimacy or something maybe at moments. It, it was a way like, or maybe people like me for the laughter, but okay. But let, let there also be more than the laughter, right? right. It's not, not just getting the next laugh or something like that, right? right? And I think, and I, I don't know what this is, like my therapist is a woman, yeah. obviously my mom is sort of the most critical person in my life, uh, but I've always, I'm the type of person who when I'm in a relationship, you know, six months in, when they get to see who I am and right. whatever, I'm always, I feel like I'm always sort of husband material. Uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> um, and that's, I guess, a compliment. Yeah, yeah, yeah but, I think so. But um, when it comes to like, friendship yeah. 
that stuff doesn't, you know, that, that part doesn't apply. And I think it was always maybe an easier shortcut to be funny and let that just be your role in a guys and stuff with friends. Yeah. 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 Right. Um, cause everybody will recount a joke or a story. So it makes you feel like, Oh, I'm well liked or I'm well thought of. But, you know, I think maybe sometimes when I'm not joking, I can exhibit some of the things that I hide with joking. And I've always thought I've, I've tinkered with writing something like a, like a script called sublimation where uh, this is not to be treated as autobiographical, but it's something I pondered where a person who used comedy from an early age came the bomb for, for their problems. But once comedy starts to fail, those inner rages start to show themselves again. Like, like was comedy, uh, uh, just simply keeping a, a beast at bay covering up rather than deeper growth or change? Was it just covering yeah. a lot of the things? Because I do find myself not in any way violent, but I, but I do find myself losing my temper more over comedy because it sometimes it feels like I've come so far and, I, and comedy, whether it got me through depression in law school when I found it as a hobby, but didn't deal with my depression. I didn't go see a therapist, but I felt much better. Right. Yeah. Which is good. But yeah. And then you, so, so throughout my life, these it's, it's, it's never solved any problems, but it's kind of made me feel like my problems are going away. And then if comedy itself starts to become a problem in my life, it almost augments my earlier tendencies to just be angry, not at any person, but just it's not pleasant to be around a giant person who's just yelling, God damn this fucking industry or what the fuck are they laughing at? Or I'm sorry if I'm, if curse No, but, curse away. Yeah, don't but, be silly. Thing. Shit. Be silly. Yeah. Um, but, but just. <laughs> don't be silly. You know, I, I have to, I sometimes think of like, why am I like, is comedy, is the 20 year bandaid that comedy's been oh. ripping off and maybe all the work that needs to be done hasn't been done. So appreciate what you're talking about. I'm just really appreciating taking it in and, and to that, to what you're saying. I mean, I wonder, you know, again, I don't mean to always try to sound a little optimistic here. It's sort of like, fuck that and screw me when I, if I'm doing that too much, but I do like, so I, that might be an opportunity to really work on this stuff more, right? To, I, to work on and those that things. that is sort of what I'm doing because we're trying to get to, not that, I, you know, I'm violating my own patient client, right. uh, uh, Dr. Patient. Right. Uh, no, you can say whatever you right. want. Right, right, Um When I interview your therapist later today, right. she, she's got to convince you to sign a release. She's right outside. <laughs> but it's one of those things where we are getting to the fact that comedy is often, because I the, the thing with comedy is there are serious, legitimate grievances and issues I have with comedy. So it's not, it's not out of, out of thin air that I'm going, I'm just using comedy. Comedy is my my chosen profession and what I want to do with my life. So when things go badly there, it has an impact. But some of my frustrations with life are, 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 are I think, deeper than that. And we, we try to, we, we are trying to- But to that's great. On those, yeah. I mean, not, and, and listen, this is where, you know, just tell me, but I don't want to talk about it. But like, are you, how long have you been doing therapy? Is it more recent? Has it been a while? It's, it's been on and off for a decade. Okay, yeah. and, and the reason for that I remember the two the two reasons I went to therapy in the first place was I had a an outburst verbal. I yeah. keep saying that just because I don't want people that there's no violence. <laughs> He's Af- got me pinned up against a wall yeah. right now. After, Can somebody please come? After nine years old, there's there's no violence in my record. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I I remember I was hearing my my uncle. I had just been in my uncle's apartment, and my uncle because of with with my mom being sort of very protective of my uncle 
And my dad kind of seeing that, I think sometimes and thinking, you know, she's got a brother and a son. And my uncle often would not see the difficulties he was causing my mom. He would see the difficulties my father causing my mom. And I, it got to a point where I was like, well, I see the difficulties you're both causing her. <laughs> sure, sure. And I have to hear about it too much and and ask bad mouthing my dad, whereas I'm not disagreeing with some of what you're saying and not seeing the, you know, what is it? Uh, before you point out the speck in sure. one man's eye, take yeah. the log out of your your own. <laughs> I've never heard that, but Bible. that's pretty, yeah, yeah. But it's I got back, I was so angry. I was so bottled up with anger and I just like exploded for 30 seconds in, in in front of my parents. And it was the first time my parents had ever actually been kind of almost nervous in my presence. How old were you, roughly? 32? Yeah, okay, got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, totally. No. It was, it, but totally it was something it. they'd never yeah, seen. Yeah, right, right, right. Well, and been I building think, for quite some time, right. probably. Right? And it was this culmination of kind of only seeing it from my mom's perspective and feeling this need to protect her and like, Uncle John, you should be seeing your own contributions here. But but for so many years, I never saw also their perspective from my, my you know, the intensity of my mom from their perspective also. I saw it from child who needs his mother, whose mother is central to his life. And I could only see it as like, if you're making my mom upset, you're part of the problem. And if you don't see that, and then you're only saying my dad is causing problems, sure. I'm I'm growing increasingly frustrated with that. And, and and of course, to this day, though, I say, but what my mom has done in terms of providing and supporting is is Herculean. But it did come with with some 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 side effects as well. Well, I say that a lot with people that our greatest strength is also our greatest weakness. Right. You know that it is. It's our greatest strength. And how do you maximize how it's a strength, but minimize how it's a weakness? Right. You know, and because it, it really does, I think, work that way. And that's what I sometimes see with my brother, which is he is literally, I think, trying to do that. Which is how do I take my mother's strength and be the be a calm presence? That's a very difficult thing to do. Um, do you think that you also just listen? Sometimes there's that those biological differences. Do you feel like he's got a little bit more of some of his naturally his dad's your dad's thing that makes him calmer? Or you think he's working real hard to try to do that, or you know he got a little lucky with some of that kind of? I, I sometimes I think he also I think what he saw is. I came around when things started to turn around for our family financially. Get, when, when, when things started to get better. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so I think I really benefited from being the second child from better economic circumstances. Like when we were first grade, we, 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 she was able to buy an apartment. Um, she worked for, for a real estate person. So I, I think my brother had to have six and a half years by himself during the toughest time. And so whatever went on then, and I think, she, I think my mom was tougher on him than she was on me. Whatever that means, yeah. I think he inter- whatever he internalized from that experience, especially predating me as a child, I think shaped him even even harder than than I've been shaped. I I think I had the luxury of, yes, I saw my mom's temper and I saw this, but I also got more stuff and more freedom, and maybe that just made me feel more free to say, eh, shut up and push somebody versus him, where it was maybe. I'm internalizing all this, but I, I have to control my emotions. I have to I have to keep it in check. But the other thing that perplexed me at the time, the other reason that I didn't share with my family for going to therapy was um I'm sorry, say that again that you didn't what I'm the sorry. reason I, the thing I didn't share right. like my family, my brother was the one who sort of got a list of of therapists for me to see through through a friend of his who's a who's a psychologist. And 
because when he heard about that, he was, you know, once again, able to be concerned for me right. and maybe, but he had, he had gotten some people for me to see and he knew the temper part. What he didn't know was the part, um, that was another reason for me to go, which was I had been in some very good relationships early on. And then I got into a very bad relationship and I had cheated earlier in my life, um, infidelity and in, 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 a, in one of the good relationships. Yeah. In my yeah, first relationship, yeah. uh-huh. I, I, my first long, the, the, yeah, I, long cheated, I cheated once and then, um, I turned it into a joke where I said, it's like, it's like going to confession as a Catholic, as a kid, you confess to, I cursed and I disrespect my parents. Well, you know, when it's like I was, I, I'm, this is not biographical, but, oh, I had uh, sex at a strip club and did cocaine. You don't think to mention cursing <laughs> your scale of right, sins right, right. raises it just, it and goes, you're like, oh, do I still right, have to I'm say curse? Isn't that an all, <laughs> right. aren't those like, like with crimes, is, aren't those lesser included offenses? Like once I've confessed, I murdered somebody and was very rude to my mom. Yeah, this is lesser included offenses, yeah. I think at that point. But, um, <laughs> so I cheated on, on one relationship and then my second relationship, I didn't cheat. But I felt like I was gonna cheat, so I broke up. <laughs> Letter of the okay. law, like like I did not cheat. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. broke up right. because I felt impulses to be a scumbag. Right. right. And then I got into this relationship with a woman, which was terrible. Yeah. It was good, and then it was the worst thing that ever happened to me. And I say that to this just, day. Yeah, and, and, and a little did, bit just whatever you're comfortable saying of why, like what it, what 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 was it about her? What was it about you guys? Or we were, I would say. We were a bad match, which I thought, but she went out of her way to not be. A, in other words, I was dating a false version of this person. Um, and I'll leave it at that because there's other things that went on that were were deeply damaging. Yeah. But that's the, the crux of it is I, it was like six months of dating somebody who was, oh, you but you knew I wasn't independently wealthy. You knew I was Catholic. You knew like all these things that were very upfront that you were okay with until I was in love with you. Then all of a sudden, you, then they weren't okay. You thought you could use love to kind of change me. But why, my, my whole dilemma with that relationship was why, why date me? You knew if you didn't like these, we don't, there's, who said we have to date? But and and a lot of damage was done there, but the one thing I never- and I think I heard you say you were engaged or something. Yeah, or it, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the 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 thing in that relationship that stuck out to me yeah. was I had blinders on. Yeah. I've never been less interested in any other woman in my life. I was almost for some reason scared of her. Um in a way. In a way, because but I was also like in some ways I like obsessed, but I was like something about this. Maybe it was the fact that it was like I, I didn't even think it could work, for, but that, that made me like want it to work. But I was like, a little bit of me was almost obsessed, yeah. just mentally. And I couldn't, I couldn't, I, I had zero interest in any other women. Right, you were tunnel vision. Zero. You were just, right, right, and I right, never right. had that happen. So I took that yeah, as meaning, right. oh, wow, this must be, this must be the one right. because I've never felt this way, but I think it was an unhealthiness that had me feeling. Get, <laughs> what do you think? What do you think the unhealthiness? Looking at it, maybe now a bit. Like, what do you think? Any thoughts on what what it what it might have been? That un, like, what was it? That unhealthiness? Let's say, if we could say I, it's, it was unhealthy. Right? I, I, what I have discussed yeah. in my own sessions, I think, is that there is a there is a I fear making women sad, okay. and I fear making women angry. And this felt like a, I fear making you angry for whatever reason. The person was not violent, there was, but, but I, something about her made me 
fear making her angry. And I don't actually quite understand what it was, but that fear I think kept me in line. Not like an, not like somebody like, oh, if she, but it was, it was this, I was really attracted to her, but also really locked in. And I feared making her angry because I didn't, I didn't feel like I was capable of making her sad. She made me sad, (laughs) but I feared making her angry. And that was more compelling and you can do whatever Freudian analysis no, no, you no, want. No, listen, I'm thinking, yeah, yeah but, sure. But, yeah. Right. I mean, right. I'm thinking, yeah, listen, are there any templates of not wanting to make your mom angry? Right. right? You know, you know, which is fine. That's no, no, why I we all it. are. Right, That's right, just right. a, it's, it's less like this weird Freudian thing. No, it's no, just, I, it right. makes sense. It's the template, right? That's right. the female template. So that's, that's, there's so much just cognitive association there. Right. And so I, then after that relationship, this is, this is three years before the Christmas outburst that gets my brother to suggest therapy. I, I'm dating a woman, uh, who is. This is three or four years before the, uh, before, right, before that happens, right? Like, so you're like 28, you're 27, right, 28, something it's like that. six, let's say six months after this, this engagement is over. And this person is a, like a, a, a godsend. I mean, it's, 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 it's a great relationship. It's a, it's a great relationship. Um, and I go right back, like not right away, but about two years in to a three-year relationship, I, I, I cheat. And then I cheated several times. And I was at that point, I think I knew what I had and was terrified yeah, yeah. Um, I knew, I knew that, like, I knew what I had, and subconsciously, I, you know, I, I will get personal, but like, you know, it, later in the relationship, she started to be concerned with like how much I was shutting down physically versus how we were, and there's a certain degree of that that comes in a relationship, but it was from hot and heavy to steady to like what happened, and I couldn't, ex- I couldn't explain it. Right, even and, and to yourself, did you not know why, or was I, it, it, it was it wasn't connected you know, to the cheating? Uh, no, 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 because no, I hadn't, I, had, I wasn't cheating. Right, yet. I'm sorry. <laughs> Once I cheated, yes. it like freed me up again, and I think the theory was that my fear of commitment wasn't impeding me because I had I had messed I had right. I had violated it in some way, but it also freed me up to be like, okay, my whole world isn't invested here, even though. In a healthy way, that's exactly what you'd want from a long-term partner is to be fully invested sure. in that person. And well, scary to you. It sounds like yeah. it's unbelievably scary. And it was the combination of that because we ended up breaking up like a, a few weeks after that Christmas outburst. Totally. The so outburst the, was just with, with your temporary uncle? No, with my no. family. Totally unrelated to this, but they happened sort of sort of in, a, in the same month. And I said, all I could say was, why could I not even find myself remotely attracted to anyone else when I was in this relationship that I knew was bad for me. And then I get this, this great relationship and I, it was the dam broke again. So it was these two things, this, my temper issue with my family and what the hell am I doing in relationships that, that sort of drove me to therapy. I appreciate how you're laying it out. Yeah. Like what, what's, what's going on there? What's almost like I'm not making sense to myself, right? Right. On some level, like what, what, yeah, what's going on? And oddly enough, the one thing I will say is on the comedy track, the year after I broke up from that relationship, I made what I thought 
until my current special that's coming out was, was my best work of my entire career. Um, because once again, just like comedy as a child seemed like something that could help me either with my family or in school, not being, it became the, the thing, the tool I use, um, college, uh, depression in law school, yeah. going to open mics every time. And then at the time saying goodbye to the almost inexplicably to this amazing relationship, it was like the comedy flowed from it. It was like, I needed once again, that old habit of, well, now I'm a comic with some professional skills and, and outreach. And so now instead of doing comedy, making my best comedy became this natural, I didn't even have to think about it. It just became the place where I could pour everything into. And I wasn't even talking about the relationship. I was just distracting myself. And the deeper the need for distraction, the better I was at making comedy. So that that album for a really long time was just the one I told everybody, if you're going to get one album of mine, it's just, and, and like I said, it didn't have anything to do with the relationship. Like the escape was so needed that it was a great, right. the great escape. <laughs> a great movie. Um, I yeah. Love that movie. So as, that was a lot, but that's, that's the pattern has always been the same uh, with comedy. Um, and I, I, I wish I could find a way to enjoy comedy and not need it so much. Right, it would it be a part of your not life, not be? I don't know. That's one way to maybe think about. It. I don't know. It'd be a part of your life, a part of your life, rather than a, a huge part of your life or yeah. your whole life, right? I mean, yeah, and it's it's you know, like what's the comedy for a lot of people of watching a great movie, right? And you know, or watching an okay movie, or right. watching a stand up, you know, sometimes on, on Netflix or something yeah. like that. I sometimes, when I'm at a comedy show, I, I, I never go to a comedy show anymore, obviously. Right. I'm either at a show or don't want to be around right. it. But I sometimes say to people, I'm like, comedy lost a great fan when I became a comedy. <laughs> because <laughs> I love going to comedy. Like, I, I love going to comedy clubs. It's like, you handle all the work. I get a little buzz. We have a nice time on a nice date or whatever. And it's like, it's, it's, it's awesome. So sometimes I'll look out in an audience and I'll go, I would much rather be you. <laughs> well, then. Well, maybe there's something to that. I, don't, <laughs> right. I mean, you know, I mean, listen, I mean, so impressed by your creativity. Again, the, the amount of content you yeah, make. Yeah, people I listening mean, are like, uh, I'm sorry, you said this man was funny? <laughs> uh, introspective, perhaps. It's yeah, it's, well, but, maybe but, that's but what funny. we listen, we, we also have about six listeners. So that's, you know, that's where we're well, at. Well, get ready to double but, that. <laughs> but uh, no, I just... It is. It's a beautiful thing to consume humor and comedy. It is. And like, to, I don't know, just hearing you talk about it, uh, maybe a little not so all or nothing, you know, other right. things, you know, and, 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 and maybe working on some of those things, not using comedy in those ways. Not it's difficult. I think it's, as we're saying this, it's difficult because as I gave you my sort of major life points where humor has been yeah. a standout, it, it almost, it isn't all, like it's been making mom happy, making friends, not being violent, depression. So it's always come in at these, I really need something right now. It's not just like, you know, it'd be kind of fun to try. It's like, I need to try something. <laughs> Wait, but, but is there a difference, you know, just to play with it, is there a difference? I think that's helped me be good at it though, because there's this underlying deep need. It's not just like, I'm pretty good at this. <laughs> right, right, right. right. I can take it or leave it. It's good. Yeah. I, I'm pretty funny. Right. right. Yeah. It's more like the reason I, I think I'm very good at it is because it's, I've either turned it, I've turned it into, or it became something that was like essential 
to my enjoyment, but almost more to my sense of being and my well-being. Yeah, he sounds almost survival, almost right. like fight and or it's, flight. It shouldn't. Kind of it shouldn't be that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs>